Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Study your word together. We thank you for the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide to enlighten us and instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. And Father, we'll give you the glory and honor for all that's accomplished and achieved in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew 12:33, we want to continue our study from last Wednesday evening when we taught on what you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure or deposits of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposits of the heart bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned." Our words are important to God, and the words that we speak are important to ourselves, to our lives, and to our future destiny. As a matter of fact, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not trying to interpret anything that He is saying. I'm only reading the very words that He spoke when He was here on this earth. And He, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, said, by our own words will either be justified or by our own words will be condemned. In other words, on that great day of judgment, when many are judged and some will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever, their own words will send them there. They'll probably hear themselves say, when someone asks them, do you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? They'll probably hear and see themselves say, no, I'm doing okay by myself. I'm all right the way I am. And those very words will condemn that person. You see, by your words or by our words we'll be justified or by our words we will be condemned. So it's not as much as what God said as it is what we say. See, what we say is vitally important to our lives. Now, this isn't only true in the area of salvation and redemption. It's also true in every area of our lives. God wants us to make our hearts right and God wants us to speak good things so that good things will come into our lives. That's why Jesus said, make the tree good and its fruit good. In other words, the inward part and also the words that we speak. Make them good or else make them corrupt and evil. For by thy words you'll be justified or by your words you'll be condemned. By speaking right things, we can make adjustments within our hearts and we can make our tree good. This is the man on the inside he's referring to. We can make our fountain of life good on the inside so that out of the abundance of the heart we bring forth good things or produce good words. Speak good words or speak right things so that we can have right things in our lives. I know there are those that will say, well, oh, that's just, you know, you're getting too fanatical about this. But you know what? Jesus wasn't being fanatical here. He was making a point. He was letting us know the value of our words, the importance of our words. He was wanting us to know just how powerful our words are. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look at this particular text right here and compare it to Proverbs chapter 18, going back to Proverbs chapter 18, you'll find out exactly what he meant. The words that we speak will either produce life or they will produce death. They will produce good or they will produce evil. They will produce sickness or they will produce health. Amen. They'll produce blessing, financial blessing, or cause us to be in bondage financially. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 18.20, a man's belly, his belly is his inward part, his spirit, the man on the inside. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. As a man's belly, the man on the inside, this abundance of the heart, shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Notice this. If we want to make adjustments in our inward parts, then we've got to start speaking right things. Because our belly is satisfied with good, really, by the words of our mouth. 
And if we don't speak the Word of God into our own lives, into our own hearts, our hearts will not be developed in the Word of God and we're not going to make the tree good so that then it can produce the right things in our lives. Next verse, verse 21. Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If we eat the fruit of life, in other words, if we speak words of life and eat those words of life, then we're going to make adjustments on the inside of our hearts in our spiritual condition. And as we are spiritually conditioned to life, we'll begin to speak words of life that will then produce good things in our lives. God wants us to know that. And basically, what we say is what we get. And if we speak right things, we'll have right things. If we speak wrong things, we will have wrong things. And that is exactly what Jesus was trying to teach the people. Now, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to reiterate them again. In verse 22, Jesus said, Have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith is defined in Mark 11:23, And that verse says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Notice the heart on the inside. Doubt what? That shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, believe what? That those things which he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever we saith. A truth too often ignored, beloved, is that we are having today what we said yesterday. What we experience in life today is a result of the words that we spoke yesterday. And if we spoke words of defeat, if we spoke negative words, if we spoke words of, of, of sickness and disease and poverty, then we are going to have today what we spoke yesterday, for he shall have whatsoever he saith. Someone says, I don't believe in that business. Well, Jesus said, if you believe and don't doubt in your heart, but if you believe in your words, you'll have whatsoever you say. Now, if you look at some of the Bible examples, you can understand then that Jesus taught a truth that people are living both on the positive side and also on the negative side. For example, the woman with the issue of blood was a situation where a woman for 12 years suffered many things of many positions, but was nothing bettered, rather grew worse. She spent all her life savings. But when she heard of Jesus, she, she moved in the press, she pressed behind the crowd of people and she touched the hem of his garment, for she said, everybody say she said. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That's what she said. What she said was her faith speaking. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. She heard of Jesus and she said in her heart, If I may but touch His clothes, I shall be whole. In other words, I'm going to touch His clothes and when I do, I will be whole. She got exactly what she said. For when she touched His garment, virtue went out of Jesus. She felt in her body she was healed of that plague. And then Jesus said to her in verse 34 of Mark 5, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Well, what is her faith? Her faith was this kind of faith. She said, if I may but touch him, I will be whole. And what did she get? She got what she said. See, what we say is what we get. And she said it and she got it. She touched his hem and she was made whole. She got exactly what she said. And so that is one example. We saw another example Wednesday evening. And that example was the one of David and Goliath. And if you read that entire story about David and Goliath, you will want to emphasize and underscore in your Bible what David said. For 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath of Gath stood there before the armies of Israel and he defied the armies of Israel. And he said, hey, just give me one of your warriors, your mighty warriors, come on out here and try to defeat me. If you defeat me, we will be your, you know, your, your, we'll be yours. You're prisoners. But if we, I defeat him, then you'll become our prisoners. And he said, I this day defy the armies of the living God, the army of Israel, the army of the living God. And he spoke out and spewed out words of venom. I mean, just destructive, poisonous words of pride and, and, and arrogance and all that. And everybody there for 40 days and 40 nights, not one of them, every single one of them there would not meet the challenge. They would not rise up to the challenge. But they stood in fear. The words he spoke produced fear because they saw him as a huge person, this giant, anywhere from 9 to 11 feet, and a warrior from his youth, mighty, and they said, we can't beat this guy. Even Saul of Tarsus, or Saul rather, the king, King Saul, saw himself with head and shoulders above all the other men there in the army of Israel, but still he wouldn't go out and fight. They were all afraid. Here comes this ruddy boy, 17-year-old boy. He comes along to the scene. He brings his brothers a lunch. 
He hears what's going on and he begins to say some things. And he said, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the living God? And he begins to say some things. He says, look, I'll defeat him for the camp of Israel that they will know that there is a God in heaven and he is the God of Israel. He spewed out some pretty strong words, didn't he? He said, and so the story goes. They rehearsed it to the king, King Saul. King Saul said, there's no way you can do this. He said, look, the God I serve delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and the same God that I serve will deliver me out of the hand of this giant. And Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. And David went and then Goliath made sport of David and said to David, I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said, now nah, hush. You're coming at me with a sword. You're coming at me with a shield. But I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord my God. And you're an uncircumcised Philistine. You have no covenant right with God. You can't approach God at all. And I'm telling you this day, I'm not only going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field, but all the Philistines shall be defeated. And I will cut off your head. That's what David said. You know what? He got what he said. For what we say is what we get. He got exactly what he said. He took five smooth stones out of the pond and he went out there with his, his little stick, his shepherd's crook. He took his stick out there and he went right, right there before Goliath and Goliath began to laugh at him and he just gave him one whip of the, of the sling. And you know the story. Brought him down to the ground, beheaded him and got exactly what he said. All the carcass of the Philistines, they were captured by the Israelites and you know the story. David got what he said is the point. Well, no one else said that. No one else said that. Only David did. You know, when you walk by faith, you're the minority. Did you hear me? You, when you walk by faith, you're the, of the minority and not the majority. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to another text in Numbers chapter 13. And we want to continue our study this morning. And I want to once again point out how we can have what we say or what we say is what we get in this life. Both positive and negative. If we want to learn how to turn God loose in our lives, if we want to learn how to put God to work for us, then we have got to deal once and for all with this issue of what we believe in the heart and say with the mouth. Beloved, this is something that we have got to take to heart. Jesus said, by our words we'll be justified, by our words we'll be condemned. By our words, we'll either be liberated or by our words, we'll be in bondage. By our words, we will give God dominion in our lives or by our words, we will give Satan dominion over our lives. By our words, faith will rule and reign or by our words, fear will hold high carnival over our lives. See, it's up to what we believe in our hearts and say with our mouths. And what we have today is a result of what we said yesterday. In the book of Numbers in chapter 13... This is the story of when the children of Israel were sent out on their way to Canaan's land. And God already told them in advance that they would have an angel to go before them who would drive out the inhabitants of the land and Canaan's land, which was a land flowing with milk and honey, would be theirs. He said, it's a beautiful land. It's a productive land. I mean, to tell you, the cluster of grapes, those grapes were as big as plums. Can you imagine that? We're talking about a wonderful, wonderful land. And it would all be theirs because an angel would go before them and God wanted to bless them with that land. It was their land. And so when they got right there to the foot of the land, what they did was they sent out 12 spies to go and spy out the land and find out what they were facing. When they got there, they viewed the land and the inhabitants of the land and they came back and they all brought their own report. Twelve spies were, were the twelve leaders of the tribes of Israel. Ten came back with a negative report and two came back with a positive report. And here's the story. In verse 26, And they went and came to Moses, Numbers 13, 26, And to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, 
We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. In other words, they brought back a cluster of fruit and saw exactly how beautiful it was, and the land was exactly what God said. I want you to notice, God said it's a land that flows with milk and honey, and they affirmed, indeed, it was. Let's not forget that. But God also said, I'll send an angel before you to drive out the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, in verse 28, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people. I want you to notice these ten spies went to their tribes and they began to talk about how strong the enemy is, how big the walls are, how big the men are, and how mighty they are, and they're not going to be able to prevail against them. Caleb knew what was going on. He knew their talking doubt and unbelief would breed more doubt and unbelief. He knew it would discourage the hearts of the people and cause them to operate in fear and not in faith. And so Caleb, the Bible says here in verse 30, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And, but the man that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, underline that, and so were we were in their sight. Now, beloved, these ten spies base what they said on sight. On what they saw. Their belief was based on how they viewed the enemy and how they viewed themselves. They saw the enemy to be giants and they saw themselves to be grasshoppers. And they said even in the sight of the enemy, we are as grasshoppers. So in other words, they believed that they could not take the land. They actually said we be not able to take the land. They had faith all right, but they had faith in their inability. They had belief in their lack of power and strength. This is an example of what it means to walk by sight and not by faith. They viewed the whole situation in the natural, and in the natural they were no match for the giants of the land. So they were dominated by their five senses and they based their confession on what they saw. They said, we be not able. What did it say there in verse 31? But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. What we say is what we get. They said we're not able... And they got exactly what they said. It unfolds and we begin to see that they were not able to go in and possess the land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they died prematurely as a result of what they believed and what they said. Now Joshua and Caleb were different. Look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said. Now hold on just for a minute. How did he still the people? All these people are out there clamoring about and they're saying, we can't do it. We can't do it. My goodness, they'll kill us. We're going to die. I don't understand this. I thought God was going to give us this land. It looks great. It's wonderful. Look at, the, look at the produce. I mean, but we can't get in there. We can't overcome them. They're stronger than we are. And I'm sure that Caleb probably said, wait a minute. Don't talk like that. Don't spew out those words. Don't talk about your inability. And your unbelief and doubt and all that. Don't say those things. You know, people get offended when you tell them not to say things like that. They get highly upset when you say, don't talk like that. And we become very defensive. Probably because we know, first of all, we're wrong. 
for talking like that. And he tried to steal them. He said, look, don't say those words. God told us it was a land that flows with milk and honey. God told us He would drive out the inhabitants of the land. Verse 30 again. Latter part. Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are not just able, well able to overcome it. What we say is what we get. We are well able to overcome it. What was Caleb looking at? His faith was not based on sight. It was not based on what he saw. His belief was based on how he viewed God and how he viewed himself in God. We're well able to take the land. Well, he made his confession of faith. And then Joshua joined in with him. If you'll read on chapter 14, you'll see all this. I'm not going to take time to read it all. So go on over to verse 9. Joshua joins in with Caleb and tells the people, Look, God is on our side. He will bring us into this land that flows with milk and honey. And verse 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord. How are they rebelling? With their words with what they believed and with what they said. Neither fear ye the people of the land. They were allowing fear. They were allowing unbelief to dominate their thinking and their speaking. But Joshua says, For they are bread for us. I want you to see this next part. Their defense is departed from them. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Caleb said, we're well able to take the land. Joshua said, their defense has departed from them. God has given us the land. They're bred for us. Let's go do it. So the two of them were in favor of taking the land and said they could. And the ten of them said they couldn't and were against it. And the ten got all the people to side with them rather than the two. Look at the next verse. But all the congregation bade, stone them with stones. You know, when you start walking by faith, people will want to stone you. Do you know that? I'm not talking about people that are outside the body of Christ either. These are the people of God. Are they not? And when Joshua and Caleb spoke their faith out, the congregation said, stone them with stones. Well, they were quick to cast stones at those who believed in God. Who really believed in God. That God would do for them what He said He would do. And they wouldn't take no for an answer. They said, we're able to do it, and we can do it. And the congregation bade stone them with stones. Here's a little lesson right here. If you read on the next part of that verse, it's a little lesson on how to walk in the glory of God. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. You want to walk in the glory of God? Speak your faith. Did you hear that? You want to walk in the glory of God? Speak your faith. And when He throws stones at you, the glory of God will appear. And when they try to overcome you, the glory of God will appear. Didn't the Word say over there in Peter that when, you're temp when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that you're to rejoice and be glad because the Spirit of glory and of our Christ rests upon you? Didn't it say that? And so as you continue like Joshua and Caleb speaking out your faith and saying, I'm able, I'm well able to walk in victory. I'm well able to overcome the problem. As you speak like that, even though others may want to stone you, the glory of God will appear to protect you. You speak your faith, you'll walk in the glory of God. Well, the glory of the Lord appeared. God was upset with them. Look at verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit within him, 
and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Notice this. What they said is what they got, but what Joshua and Caleb said is also what they got. And what we say is what we get. And to show you that's true, go on over to verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the air and saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel who said, We can't do it, we're not able, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Isn't that Mark eleven twenty three? He shall have whatsoever he saith. As you have spoken, by your words you'll either get in, or by your words you will stay out. Isn't that saying the same thing? But Caleb spoke the right words. Joshua spoke the right words. And as a result, Joshua and Caleb were, were singled out. And God said, they will enter in. Let's read on. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your own number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. The only two that would enter in would be Joshua and Caleb. And what they said was, we're well able to take the land, let us go up at once and possess it. And they said, they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, so let's go take the land. Isn't that what they said? But what, what was the result of it? The story ends with them dying in the wilderness after 40 years. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness. And can you imagine two, people, two million people dying in a matter of 40 years? Can you imagine how many funerals they had to perform a day? Can you imagine how many funerals they had to perform every single day? They died daily. I'm telling you they had to perform many, many funeral services in those 40 years. They died daily. Now, Joshua said something very important to all of us. He said, look, their defense is departed from them. Now, please give me your undivided attention. We are very often tempted to follow these ten leaders and the congregation. We're oftentimes tempted to go by sight and not by faith. And I hear people every single day magnifying the problem and talking about how big the devil is and how difficult life is and how it's so hard to make it day by day. And the more they talk like that, the more it shows us that they do not realize what God has done for them. And beloved, all I want us to know is that it's time to make some adjustments in our lives and start talking more about what God has done and what God can do than how big the problem is and how difficult life is. Are you listening? Because I want you to see this truth here. Joshua said, let's look at it again, in, in, in Numbers 14 and verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. I want to show you how true that was. Look at the book of Joshua, if you would please, in chapter 2. Forty years later, when Joshua was raised up to be the leader of the Israelites, replacing Moses, they were about to enter into Canaan's land, the land of promise. After all those others died in the wilderness, God was now going to take them in. And as they were about to enter in, this is Joshua chapter 2, they once again sent others to go out and spy out the land. And in number, or, or Joshua 2 and verse 8 it says, And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, this is Rahab the harlot, she said unto the men, that went to spy out the land, the land of Canaan. This is just before the walls of Jericho are going to come down. Know 
I know that the Lord hath given you the land. How did Rahab know that? I know that the Lord, past tense, hath given you the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Or melt away because of you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back 40 years. There were the ten spies, the spiritual leaders of Israel, representing ten tribes. Those ten spies, those ten leaders said, there's no way we can take it. There's no way we can get in there. We are unable to take the land. No way. All the mean, while they were saying that, these people here now, over there in the land, the giants that are in the land, and all the people of the land are saying this. When they were saying, we can't do it. They were saying this. We have heard how the Lord in verse 10 dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt. We heard what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. You take all this 40 years. This is when this was being said. Take it 40 years back. They were saying, God has given them our land. Those giants were saying, there's no one like their God. God's right up the Red Sea. We heard about the plagues of Egypt. He dried up the Red Sea. They came across. They defeated all the enemy, all the Egyptian army. God has given them our land. We concede. We can't fight this God. We give up. It's all theirs. All we're going to do is back off. And what are the Israelites saying? We can't take the land. They're too big. Well, those big giants were saying, we can't fight them. We have no, no courage any longer. We give up. We give up. We're defeated. We're overcome. God's too big. We can't fight that God. He's the God of heaven. He's the God of earth. He's the God of the Israelites. We can see the land. What are they saying? We can't take the land. They're too big for us. There's no way that we can get in. Beloved, the devil's been defeated. I'm going to say that again. The devil's been defeated. We've been made victorious in Christ. But what's our confession? Oh, we just can't handle it. It's just too big for us. I I don't know. I'm just a grasshopper. I mean, look at all these problems I have to face in this life. Can you see what was going on? Joshua said their defenses departed from them. They were saying, we can't do it. They're too big for us. Life's problems are too big. Beloved, the words of our mouth will either give God dominion or Satan dominion over our lives. Rahab wanted to know why it took them so long to get there. You know why it took them so long to get there, 40 years to get there? Because of their doubt and unbelief. Because they said they couldn't. They were not defeated by the giants of the land. They could not enter in because they said they couldn't. If they would have said they could, God's power would have been unleashed. And they would have been victorious over the enemies. The enemies already conceded to defeat, but they couldn't see it. Joshua and Caleb could. They saw it. And they said, we're able to take the land. Now, the Israelites got what they said, didn't they? They didn't enter in, and they died in the wilderness. Isn't that what they said they would do? So what they said is what they got. Isn't that true? And those that were their leaders died right before them. Those that instilled doubt and unbelief into the hearts of the people, they also died. They died immediately. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn on over to Joshua chapter 14. Hold your place there. And then go on back to Numbers chapter 14. 
And I want you to, I want to show you, I want you to see what God did or what God said, what happened to these men that were in leadership. In verse 36 of number 14, And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. You think that got their attention? They immediately died by the plague before the Lord. I would think that would get their attention. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. What was the difference between the ten and the two? The two said we could, we can, we're able, and the other ten said we can't. The two influenced the people positively, and the ten influenced the people negatively. As a result, the two lived, the others died. If that doesn't strike our attention, I don't know what will. For by thy words thou shalt live, and by thy words thou shalt die. For death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. Now to show you that Joshua and Caleb got their promise, go to Joshua chapter 14. So we see they got what they said. They couldn't enter and they didn't. And they died there before the Lord. Now in Joshua chapter 14, many years later, we read this. Then the children of Judah, verse 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. That's Caleb speaking. Caleb said, I went and spat out the land and I brought back a good report of faith. I said that we can enter in because God is on our side. Nevertheless, he says, my brethren that went up with me, notice he says, they're my brethren, made the heart of the people melt. And while their hearts were melting, they didn't know the hearts of, the, of their enemy was melted already. But their words made the hearts of the people melt. But I wholly Followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the Lord, the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Caleb was forty years old when he made that confession. Forty years old. Forty-five years later, the man has the same confession. Forty-five years later, he is still speaking the word of faith. At the age of 85, he says, And now behold, the verse 10, The Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. I like that. I like that, Caleb. That's the kind of guy you can follow. As my strength was then. Now, remind, I'm going to remind you, all these other leaders are dead. I'm going to remind you, all the others died in the wilderness. Someone says, well, you know, it's just only 40 years. They live long. No, 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 no. 85 years old then is 85 years old now. 
The others were dead. They died in the wilderness. They're all gone. Except for those that were 20 years and under. He was 40 then. He's 85 now. And he says, I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. 45 years later, he's just as strong. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now to sit in my rocking chair, to play a little ball in the backyard with the kids. Now, here's an 85-year-old guy wanting to go to war. I mean, can you see the glazed look in this man's eyes? I mean, I can just visualize this man standing there before Joshua and saying, Look, God has kept me alive. I was 40 years old then. I'm 85 years old now. And my strength is now as it was then for war. This guy has maintained a 45-year confession of faith. And he said, he told me the land was mine. Now look at what he says. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain. Glory to God. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He's saying the same thing 45 years later. Joshua blessed him. and I mean, what else can you do but give the man his mountain? He gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for inheritance. And what did he say? I'm ready to go take it. Beloved, I want you to see something. What he didn't do because of the others at 40, he did at 85. He went in and took the mountain. In other words, through his faith, he went in and drove out those that occupied the land. And the land became his. It took 45 years coming in coming. But, beloved, he got it. He held fast his confession of faith and he got his promised land. Oh, it was delayed because of the others. But, beloved, when the time came, he got it. That should encourage us to speak the right thing at all times. He was kept alive and he enjoyed his inheritance and he gave it to his seed and his seed seed. Can you see that? And it was all because of his personal faith in God and because he knew that what he would say is what he would get. And Jesus said, if you say it and believe in your heart and don't doubt it, then you shall have what you say. Hebron in verse 14, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Beloved, if that testimony in itself does not strike our thinking and make us know for a fact that he shall have whatsoever he saith, I don't know how to convince anyone then. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now let's bring it up to date. What are you saying? What am I saying about our, my life, about your life? What are you saying about your life today? How do I put God to work for me? I'll tell you how to put God work to, to work for you. You start saying what God said about you. It's time to get our eyes off of circumstances. It's t- time to take our eyes off of world events and what's taking place all around us. It's time to get our eyes and keep our eyes on the Most High God. It's time to say what He said about us, knowing that as we say it, we put Him to work for us. As we say it, His power begins to operate on our behalf. And that He causes things to come to pass in our lives by our confession of faith. What are you going to say about yourself? Someone recently asked me about my physical conditioning. And I, I don't even know why I asked the question, but just asked the question. said, well, compared to when you were 25, you're 40 now. 
And I'm still into weightlifting and jogging, running, doing stuff like that. He says, well, I, I said, well, if you're asking for an honest answer, I could do more now than I did then. I was kind of shocked that I said it that way, but I said, I can do more now than I did then. Someone says, well, you're, you know, you're 42. You're supposed to be slow now. I'm just, I'm just speeding up. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm getting younger. What are you doing? This man on the inside is renewed day by day. I'm telling you. What's your confession? I've still been saying it. I've been saying it for the last many years. I can still play with the boys. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm not saying anything about myself. I mean, if I get out there and play ball, I get out there and play ball, I see four or five 20-year-olds all lying on the floor winded, and I say, come on, guys, let's go. Let's finish the game. I'm telling you the truth. I don't plan on getting you know any other way either. I'm going to continue on saying. You see, we've been programmed to think that once you start hitting your 40s and you're going toward 50, you're, you know, you're supposed to be getting old. I haven't heard that yet. That doesn't register with me. Does it register with you? You're only as young as you think, as you believe, and as you speak. I'd rather have the Caleb's spirit. What about you? Someone says, you're getting older. No, God, thank God I'm getting better. What about you? Come on, what about you? You're supposed to have this happen. You're supposed to have... I don't believe that. I believe... That my life, as far as God is concerned, is being renewed like the eagles. I'm exchanging strength with God, and I should have more of God, the life of God in me now, and the next five years later, than I did even then. Don't you? I said, don't you? I believe our bodies can be even healthier. See, we've been programmed to thinking you've got to have, you know, bad things happen because you're getting older. I don't believe that. Don't believe in that. I know that when you preach this, some people just get irate and get totally upset with you. But, brother, I believe if we tell our young people this and Jesus tarries, it's going to enable them to have stronger, healthier, longer lives. I was reading an article about a, a fellow who wrote, a doctor who wrote about longevity. He says there's no reason why the human body shouldn't live to be 120 years old. No reason. None whatsoever. But see, we've been programmed by thinking, you know, once you hit a certain age, well, you better just slow down because you're getting old. Well, I'm not slowing down. I'm not slowing down. Are you going to slow down? I don't, I don't want to do that. As a matter of fact, Moses' life was divided into three years of four, three sections of 40. 40, 40, 40. 40, 80, 120. It took him 40 years to get a whole... First of all, to find God. Then it took him 40 more years to understand Him. <laughs> Did you ever read that? But it says of Moses when he was that old, his eyes did not grow dim, neither was his natural force abated. Did you ever read that? Did you ever read that? I said, did you ever read that? Start saying it. Start saying it. Or aren't we bold enough to say it? Don't we think our God can do it? Hallelujah, what a challenge. Amen. Start saying it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Uh, Brother Hagin said this one time, and I'll probably close with this thought. He said this. He said, you know, just like they say, the older you get, the more you forget. Did you ever say that? You know, and he started to say, he said, well, I'm getting older now. I'm just forgetting more because he couldn't quote as many scriptures as he used to quote. He said, you know, I, I just started to forget some things. And, and, you know, people would say, well, you know, Brother Hagin, the older you get, you know, the more you forget. And he said, yeah, I guess that's true because I'm not able to, uh, you know, quote as many scriptures as I used to quote. And so, you know what? Finally, he started, I guess God got a hold of me. He said, what are you saying that for? You're giving place to that. He says, why don't you start saying that what I said about you is true? You know, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. Did you ever read that in John 14, 26? But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name when He has come. That's what He's going to do. Bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And so Brother Hagin stopped right there and says, I'm not living by natural laws. I'm living by supernatural laws. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to lose my memory. I'm going to still continue to know how to quote the Word of God and maintain my memory even in a ripe old age. And you know, he says... 
all of a sudden, all those scriptures came back to him. And he says, I could quote more now than I did then. You see, how are we programmed? Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for a tree is known by its fruit. Start saying what you believe in. Start believing in the life of God in you. And the life of God will quicken your mortal body. The Spirit of God will quicken your mortal body. Start saying, thank God it's a brand new day that my life is renewed like the eagles. Start saying, I wait upon the Lord, I renew my strength. Start saying that same Caleb Spirit is upon me, praise God. And in a ripe old age, in a ripe old age, I'll be full of sap. Glory to God. I thought I was going to close. I am. I am going to close. But since I said that, I've got to read this. Because if this doesn't get you to shout, your shouter's plugged up. Psalm 92. It says this. But my horn, which is the emblem of excessive strength and stately grace, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I'm anointed with fresh oil. My eyes look upon those who lie in wait for me. My ears hear the evildoers that rise up against me. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They'll be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, fruitful, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall still be full of sap, spiritual vitality, rich in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment, for they are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to His promises. He's my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in Him. What's your confession, beloved? What's your confession? Make Psalm 92 your confession. Hallelujah! Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.